When the fires die down and the guests are full, the only thing left to do is enjoy the company. Best done with a fresh cigar and a cold drink. This is After the Cook. Alright everybody, it's another episode of After the Cook. It's Mel, Dark Side of the Grill, my man. The Barbecue Buddha in the house. How you doing today, Buddha? What's up, man? You sound congested. Are you I'm not. okay? I'm you not. Okay? Sound I'm, I'm not okay. Thank you for asking. I, uh, well, hey. I, <laughs> you might have noticed from uh, a thousand of my stories there that I quit drinking for like... Ten minutes. A day, right? So, yeah, ten minutes. So, whatever. And I fell off the wagon last night. And I, uh, I woke up in the hot tub a couple hours later. And oh. my head was frozen. Almost like actually to the side. frozen because it's cold oh, up in Canada. Minus yes. 20 Celsius, yeah. So ah. for like four or five hours, I was in the hot tub sleeping. My body was warm, but my head and my hair was actually frozen. So pretty much. Did you? And now I feel stuffy. Now, I don't mean to sound insensitive, but by any yes. chance, did you think to take a little video or a picture of yourself when you woke up? I imagine it was the, you look like the cold miser or something. Your hair must have been all blue and icicles the one on time, your mustache. The one time I didn't put it in a story. Eh? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are you physically okay? Were you not? You weren't submerged? or Were you... Were you no, frostbitten I, I anywhere? Be, uh, Any of your parts physically altered or, or removed because of that I experience? I don't think so. I don't think okay. so. My hands were in the water, so I don't have any frostbite or anything. So, Which I assume I would have got on my nose or something, but I think from the steam it prevented it, but still the cold, everything was frozen. It was crazy. The like question you broke. bags, what woke you up? Was like an owl? Did it land on your head and start <laughs> You know how scary that would be? You, <laughs> I don't know, because it was gone by the time I... Right. Came too, right? So yeah, there's that. You never know. Is there but, any uh, wildlife that's out and active in negative twenty Celsius? I mean, are there all like of birds it. chirping Canada, and squirrels? Buddy, there's wolves they... that walk through our alley. Okay, it's insane up. It's like it's Canada. It's Canada. Right. We like. Oftentimes, you'll have a moose walk through our freeway. It's it is what it is. It's huh. well, that's there are uh... deer literally like ten blocks away from my house. There's a power plant that's on a a railway, right? And the deer walk up the railway into where the power plant is. Okay. So anytime you're driving on the freeway, you can look and see families of deer just standing is in this open field. Is it because the power plant puts off heat and they get closer to the warm? No, no, it's, the... it's like all fenced in. You can't get there, but the only place that's not fenced is to the railway track. So they walk up the railway track, walk through the fence there, and then right. they're stuck in this compound, right? And then they just can can't figure out to leave. Well, I, I assume people probably have, but you'd have to hop the fence to collect it. Or and go the power up the plant railway is, track. Well, I get there. You go exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a smart guy, but I I picked up on that back door to this place. Congratulations! I'm still. <laughs> so yeah. how was uh, how was New Orleans? I mean, we saw all oh. the pictures. I, let me start out by saying this. You know, it was funny every time you'd ask people where to go eat. And it was funny, like the first three times I would give you my rock solid, without a fail suggestion. Yes. And then you, I kept expecting somewhere in the middle of your visit, you would go to this place and you never did. So let's mm -hmm. start out by saying why your partner in crime, your friend, your foodie friend gives you yes. this amazing suggestion. Was it just, it didn't make, it was like Reddit. My, my comment didn't make it to the top of the list. <laughs> Truth be told, Mel was in the French Quarter. I was right 
smack dab in the center of the French Quarter. I didn't have a car. You just I just stayed, stayed in the French distance. Quarter. Okay. I, so to get into that voodoo church, I had to go far west outside of the quarter. I walked for an hour and a half, I think. Yeah. To, to get out to that voodoo church where I got my chicken foot, and then I was able <laughs> to come back. But That was pretty good. Dude, it was wild. When like, I saw it was big, so first of all, like you know, of all the stuff you do, you know, I was like, oh, what is he gonna? When, when's the weird stuff gonna happen? And then there was that <laughs> late night club where I thought it was about to get happen. But when you woke up that next morning, you were like, hey, can anybody tell me? I really need to get a chicken foot. I said, oh lord, I can't wait to see how this thing is gonna play out. So yeah, it's, it's a... did you ever see that movie with Mickey Rourke and uh, what was her name? Uh, she's Lenny Kravitz. It's his wife, and uh, I don't think she's so. Bill Cosby. She played Bill Cosby's daughter on the God. What is her name? She's this beautiful woman. She's married, and they have like the anyway. They were in a movie about New Orleans voodoo's type stuff. It was really creepy, and that's what I thought I was going to see when Mel started asking for a chicken foot. In that movie, they showed some like hardcore Santeria, you know, like the, yeah, yeah. the with the chickens stuff. and the yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah, Jordan, figure that out because I'd love to see it. Um, yeah, it's a pretty creepy movie, actually. The way that this worked, and I'm I'm just going to show you if that's all right. I'm going to tilt my camera just for a second, please. Should we give a motion sickness warning to the audience at this point? Where is he? Oh, yeah. can you see him? Hold on. There. Na, 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 na. So that's Fred. Oh. That's is that Fred. The voodoo had the shrunken head. So let's do the story of this in the middle of the story for New Orleans. Okay. Okay. So that we can, is that an so actual can, shrunken head? Hold on. This so we can cue this up. So Mel uh, breeds and collects reptiles. Big fan of uh, herpetology, right? Are we talking about the same Mel? That's you. This Mel, yeah. I'm okay. Third person. I, and when I do stories, I like third person. So Mel, yeah, just... Mel loves reptiles and whatever. There was a huge reptile convention in Calgary, so I go um, to purchase a super expensive uh, star tortoise, super rare. The guy came all the way from Toronto, uh, drove in a van. And he had this uh, star tortoise, super, super rare, very excited to get it. The guy also did insects that he would put into cases and display. So this guy flies all over the world, bringing right. wild stuff, right? Right. And he had just come from, I believe it was Papua New Guinea. I honestly don't remember the Congo or something. He was just there collecting insects. And he, we were talking about like weird stuff, like, you know, me right away. What, what kind of weird stuff do we have? And, and right. And he laughs. He's like, dude, I don't know how I got this in here, but I got a shrunken head. <laughs> and I was like, what? What do you mean? Like here <laughs> on you? Like, let me see it right away. Right. And as soon as I saw Fred, I was like, how much do you want? And I had just blown like $2,700 on this tortoise. Right. And he's like, I, I don't know what they're worth. I don't know. I wasn't really thinking of selling it, but and I'm Can looking at the it. the question that's on everybody's mind right now. I was about to say head, but that'd be too close for comfort. Yes. Yeah. Is it an actual shrunken human head? So it has eyelashes. Okay. It has nostrils that are open and yeah. the um like a like a foreskin around the neck area. Okay. It is a total real shrunken head. Wow. And I got it like, for seventeen hundred dollars. And I wow. didn't look back. So now right back to New Orleans, right? Here's All Mel right. in this like voodoo store, and it's totally Bullshit. Now is it There's, touristy and cheesy? Yeah, like, cold, you know. oh, it's stupid, man. And then she's like, can I help you with some incense? You want some incense for your right. hotel room and blah, blah. And I'm like, what is this? 
I saw they told me I could find a chicken foot, and she's like, "Yeah, we've got some hanging on a thing here, and they're like pink with rings on them and stuff." And I'm like, "Not looking for some gaudy. Like, I'm looking for a real right. chicken foot. I'm I'm trying to protect myself from thieves. Is why I need the chicken foot. So right. whatever it is. What so." And then I saw she had a plastic shrunken head hanging behind the cash register. And I'm like, that's funny. I have a real one. No, you don't. Right away. And I'm like, well, no, I do. Like, and I told her the story and she like takes a step back. Do you ever give it anything? I said, well, well, no, he's not really hungry. <laughs> and she said, you must have all kinds of bad juju in your house. You need to like put some stuff, like, put some fruit in a plate underneath them or something like at least once a month, give them something. She, I'm like, so she turned from a tourist shopkeeper to a real voodoo lady. Dude, like she real took quick. me in the she took me in the back so fast. There was a guy on the phone <laughs> doing like readings to people, and it was like there was a there bunch was of a, people back. Like it was an actual <laughs> church. They have group meetings and shit back, and there was all kinds of wild like things have nails sticking out of them and weird dead stuff everywhere. And that was when I was like, yeah, baby, this is what, then right away. I'm like, I got to get out of here. Give me the chicken foot. I got to get out of here. <laughs> but yeah, Next it was wild, man. Dancing in the sea of, yeah. So I wanted everything. I wanted to buy air. Cause you know me, I like, you know, heads and bodies of things. I love it. So it was crazy. It was, but yeah, well, okay, right away. I've got to ask the other obvious question now. Have you since returning to Edmonton, have you since been laying offerings to to your visit friend? I literally forgot about it till just now, and now I yeah. Am you better to, like go get yeah. some. I mean, get I'll some of that brisket and put I'll give, put, a shot. give Fred. Is it Fred? The head Fred. is Fred. 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 Give the head. Fred exactly. some brisket. Yeah. So that that was a really weird conversation. You know what else is really weird? <laughs> I can't We've even got, begin to think. We've got a wild guest for you guys today. You guys are going to freak right out. <laughs> it, it, you know, the very first thing I think when introducing this next guest is either shrunken heads or chicken feet. I definitely, those, those conjure up this guest who is one of my truly, and she knows it, she'll say it. I call her all the time to ask her for advice. She's one of my greatest inspirations online um, because they run the best blog barbecue business of all the people out here doing this uh, barbecue influencing side hustle stuff it's Susie Bullock from Hey Grill Hey awesome. is joining us today let's get that right How you people oh. doing? Good. How are you guys? Doing fantastic. There's two of you. Have, I'm so happy. We're gonna have to do that intro again because Jordan said Sorry, Susie's here, Todd. and then yeah, I was hoping for Todd, but we just gave you this great intro and only said Susie. <laughs> I left Listen. all of the great things about Todd out. Surprise! So I have Todd to do it is again. the best version of no, Todd, no, no. actually. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can't. I can't call him surprise Todd. It's taste tester Todd is the only way that I'm <laughs> yeah. thinking about him going forward. I love it. I love it. Oh, this is gonna be. Well, fun. Hey, are you at your warehouse or your new house or where? I mean, you were so much life change going on with the two of you. I don't know how to keep track. We are at the warehouse. Our new house does not have the internet. 
<laughs> so <laughs> we are going on two weeks of trying to live with just like the hotspot data on our cell phones, and it is not ideal. Mine's gone. Todd's is out. Mine is limping, and I it is reserved only at this point for like children's homework. Oh, <laughs> right. So if we're working, we got to be at the warehouse. We're doing our best. Do you now feel like you're living an episode of like the Yellowstone prequel where you're just out in the wilderness on the Oregon Trail, like trying to survive without yeah. internet? Yeah, that's what it feels like, to be honest. Yeah. Todd was like, listen, man, I just got to watch some TV somehow, like figure it out. I just have to watch television. That's football, yeah. man. Yep. Yeah, and football. Yep. That's hilarious. It's glad to have you guys here. It's good to be here. Thanks for having yeah, this us. this is fun. Ooh. Absolutely. We got a million questions for you, so get ready. So, you oh know, the gosh, great thing great. about this is as many times as we've either communicated via um, text or email or phone, I did not know this about you. Your oh. family had a steakhouse, and that's <laughs> how you got that's how you grew up. The reason why that's so exciting and important to me is my father had a steakhouse and I grew up the son of a steakhouse owner too. No so way. I yeah, he had three restaurants in the Washington, D.C. area when I was growing up. And so I know a thing or two about that life, and it isn't easy. Well, that's awesome. Well, our, we leaned heavy. My dad was actually a certified hotelier. So okay. he and his several partners own multiple just small regional hotels throughout Utah and Arizona and Wyoming. And several of them had restaurants attached but the one where i spent a majority of my time was in this teeny tiny town called tropic utah just outside of bryce canyon national park it's one of the most beautiful places i personally believe in the whole entire world i've traveled a lot and it's always been a second home to me we'd go down early early summer right peak you know tourism season for national parks and i would work in the mornings i'd wake up and do the breakfast shift at the restaurant and yep. host and wait tables and bus tables and you know short order restaurant dining experience all of that and then during the day i would clean all the hotel rooms after people checked out and then we would haul bags for new people checking in and then i would go work the night shift either at the front desk or back at the restaurant and yeah that was we did steaks and pork chops and you know baked potatoes on the side and salad bar and what all the Euro all that the stuff. europeans wanted yeah the yep. europeans <laughs> wanted that classic americans <laughs> they were so excited <laughs> i could not tell you potatoes. Yep. The size of the ribeyes that we would bring out and the New York strips and the fillets and like I would just see like the <laughs> right. wonder and awe over these massive cuts of beef and it changed me forever. Yep. So yeah, that was a really, really cool way to grow up. I learned a lot about the value of working really hard and working long hours and you know, the restaurant industry is tough and brutal and I also learned a ton about hospitality and what it really meant to feed people and you know, to have that really valuable exchange of food with a memory and an experience tied to it. So it was awesome. Yeah, the work oh, ethic weird. thing is what stands out to me the most is because you just can't learn that stuff. When I eventually got into the corporate world and IT and stuff for a while, it was amazing to me because in a restaurant, your projects are right there. You go in yep. for your lunch shift, you prep, you execute the project, you, you know, you do all the, the tallying up, the closing out the checks, and then you get ready for dinner. And, and, and 
for me, that's how I was geared. You just learn this work ethic, get it, go now. It was very strange to get into the corporate world where a project would take six months. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I'm Eternally, like, oh God, yes. like, you don't get that rewarding feeling. Now, did your parents put you immediately to work? Like my dad was not kind to me in that sense. Like at 12, he wanted me to learn that work ethic and I started washing dishes and then worked my way up every position in the kitchen before even getting to the front of the house where your oh, parents yes. cruel in that way where they made Not you learn cruel. some sort of uh so the interesting thing was that my dad operated more in the owner role and there were managers that actually ran the restaurants that i worked for so i was an employee just as much as anybody else was an employee i just ah. you know started younger <laughs> uh, because right. you're legally allowed to bust tables at a family restaurant i believe at eight years old in utah oh, yeah. so right. i was hauling around a little bus tub i dropped my first one then they made me start using the cart uh you yeah. know you put the bus tub on the cart and yeah. push it around nope. and yeah we were hauling bags and bussing tables i think i, I think i got a quarter a bag like 25 cents for every bag that I carried up to somebody's rooms. And there were no elevators. It was a motel, so the doors opened to the outside, and all the stairs were exterior. And so I ran a lot of stairs as a kid, hauling a lot of people's bags, and bust a, a bunch of tables. And I remember the year that my dad said, you know, this year I think you could work as a hostess. And I was like, I have made it. I have peaked <laughs> front of house. I'm no longer scrubbing dishes until my fingers right. bleed. Like it was, it was such a glorious day that I got to work as a hostess. And then I realized how mean people were. <laughs> right. I was like, wait, they're not There's all having a good time. In the back of the house, I right? don't understand. <laughs> uh, but yeah, moving into like that hostess waitress position and working for tips and, you know, like I said, the, I think waitressing was really. I think everybody should work a restaurant job first and foremost. I mean, from just from the customer service element alone it's a worthy experience to partake in but really learning the art of hospitality and, and taking care of people and and having those personal relationships uh you know develop with with customers is is really awesome and i love that i got to experience that and be a part of it but yes grueling grueling hours lots of hard work no but joke. like yeah. you said very instantaneous reward you know, right. I think we deal in a world with a lot of like delayed gratification <laughs> and everyone, right. you know, but there is a lot of instant satisfaction in the restaurant world. You know, you, you, you do have that one shift mentality where you come and you go and you close it down and then you go home. And that right. experience was all encompassing. And yep. I don't know, that, it's a really unique experience. That's why I, I did a, a tour in Wendy's <laughs> when I yeah. was there. And same same deal. They would you know work in the grill. That was my deal. And uh, as soon as I get any, anywhere close to the cash registers, they're like, no no no, get back. <laughs> you, Todd was a Dairy Queen boy. That's yeah. You don't don't put Mel with the people, right? Oh, you got a problem with that potato bacon bits? Scrape them off. Yeah. Just, oh, oh, you don't? Okay. I just fixed your problem. What do you? It's yeah. It was one of those things. But well, that's I, why I, I didn't I, let you near the cash register because you were putting the yeah. potato toppings in the cash register, and Correct. it just wasn't a good. You that's know. it. That's it. You no, know, it's it. I I love that. Like everybody's story, you you hear the hustle where it started, and it's always like the same kind of thing, and it's awesome. You guys, you guys have been absolute monsters in the industry. You guys are like. It's crazy. It's great. And that that's I, I, I was very You're excited. Telling to, us. Yeah. I was very excited to hear like the origin story of how 
that came around. So, so Todd was Dairy Queen, were you? <laughs> yeah, I, I worked back. I worked the fryers and not exactly the grill. I don't remember the name of the machine, but you put a frozen patty in, and then it's on a belt, and then it comes out done at the end. That's all I knew. <laughs> yeah, awesome. it took. It, it was. <laughs> what was that trend on uh, social media for a while? I was zero days old when I found out. I was zero yeah. days old when I found out that Dairy Queen has fryers. Dairy Queen has fryers. I've only yeah. ever gotten a blizzard at Dairy Queen or the ice cream that they dip and they, you know, anything they turn upside down is what I've gotten at Dairy Queen. <laughs> I had no <laughs> idea that fries. they had, they have French fries at Dairy Queen. French fries at Dairy Queen. Chicken got strip Hamburgers. Basket. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Wow. The flamethrower. You've never had a flamethrower? Yeah. I have had a blizzard and I've had the cone that they, yeah. anything that they turn upside down, French fries wouldn't work well turning upside no. down. Unless you got a lot of cheese <laughs> and they may stick to the packaging. I'm not sure. That's no, it. they had separate restaurants, so some were ice cream only, but then they started introducing ice cream and food. Hot eats, cool oh. treats, you know? Wow. You remember the, remember the market? <laughs> oh, that's, my yeah. gosh. I love it. Now, I love it. <laughs> now that's, that's going right. to be stuck in my yeah, head. Hot <laughs> eats, cool treats. Hot <laughs> eats, cool treats, guys. That's the name we of the episode right. now. That's Watch it. out that's for perfect. the uh, trademark infringement. <laughs> yeah, <Ooh>. right. <laughs> uh, wow. That's going to make us go up in the rankings with that. We have a guy for that. If he's awake. If he's so you go from your restaurant <laughs> business and your family restaurant business, and then I think it was 2013, and then when you started doing the blogging thing. So before we even dive into that, because it's, you know, I think everybody knows about that. What happened between your growing up and 2013? What the hell yeah, were you doing? Yeah, so I turned uh, 18. I was still, I was going to college, actually, about an hour and a half away from where the hotel and restaurant was, and every weekend... I would drive over there and work the weekends, kind of until the end of October when all of that slowed down. And somewhere in there, my first day before I started college, my freshman year, this guy walked into my apartment with a friend of his, and I just thought he was very cute. He had a jacket that I liked, and he listened to music that I liked, and he wore a band t-shirt of a band that I liked. <laughs> what was the band? Oh, I can't even remember. Pick one. Was it Reliant K? Maybe not Could that be. first. Blink, anyway, Blink 182, something. <laughs> uh, some some punk rock band that you know we had in common, and at that age, music was like the bonding binding force of all things. So we bonded really quickly over music, came to be really good friends, and within a month or so, I thought he did not want to date me. I was 17 when we met. I turned 18 in a couple months, and he was like, "No, that's illegal." But <laughs> I, I. Uh, I kind of pursued Todd a little bit, actually, and eventually won him over. So I met him. Uh, I actually brought him back with me. He surprised me one weekend at the restaurant, and my dad was there that weekend, and he was like, oh, we're in trouble. Like, he could tell there were, like, there were some serious sparks. We were both very excited about the relationship, and uh, he invited Todd to come to the restaurant and eat dinner with us since he was, you know, in this tiny town anyway with nothing else to do. And do, would, you, would you like to tell this story? Oh, man. Or would you like me to tell this story? <laughs> well, it was like things had, <laughs> things had wound down for the night, and they were closing up. And he's like, do you want a steak? I'm like, sure. Well, oh, to preface this, Todd jumped immediately in like he worked there and started bussing tables yeah. also. <laughs> which, and my dad was like, okay. He's wrapping keeper. silverware. I like this guy. Okay, <laughs> yes. Like the forks around the silver or the, yeah, the we, napkins. Yeah, we, we, we fancy. We napkin wrapped our silverware. You know what nice. I'm saying? So anyway, nice. I was like, yeah, I'll take a steak. He's like, cool. How do you want it done? And I've never, I grew up in not anywhere near like a barbecue 
thing, whatever. I, I didn't know that there were rules with steak, and I just thought if it was pink at all, it was going to make you sick. That's all I knew. Right. So I said medium well, and he said, yeah, nope, you're not going to have. And then he's, he yelled something at the chef, and they brought out this. I mean, if it was medium rare. I think he was right. surprised. He's like, how was, are you dating my daughter <laughs> and eating a medium well steak? This steak right. was blue. It was chewy. <laughs> Right. And he sat there with a grin on his face and watched me eat every single bite. Now I'm a medium rare guy. Yep, yeah, that's it. Were you at he the time of did, taking though. those bites, though? I mean, did you? Was it difficult for you to to eat that? Yeah, it was like baptism by fire, basically. Okay. Um, yeah. I just, I don't like to eat them that way. Still, <laughs> I prefer them a little more done. But it, it was he was doing it. It, was it wasn't like, to be mean. It was just. You know the old school dad with the shotgun? That was, the, yeah. that that was, was my shotgun that experience. That was Todd's shotgun experience, but it was yep. Dave with a blue rare steak. Like, I mean, yeah. it was slap its butt, drag it across the grill, and put <laughs> right. it on the plate. And that's right. what he gave Todd to eat, the medium well steak boy. Yeah, you want to date my daughter? Yep. Here's, here's how steak. you have to eat steak. <laughs> oh, and by the way, there's three more tables to bus after you're finished. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. But I think so after that, up. my dad right. was like, all right, the boy can hang. So we dated, went to college, we got married, and... It was like a year and a half later. Yeah, a year and a half later, we ended up getting married. I graduated with a degree in psychology and early childhood development. Um, at the time, I was working in a counseling center, and I was also working in a crisis nursery for kids in the foster care and governmental care program. So I wanted to do adoption counseling. Um, Todd got his master's in accounting and landed a job at a corporate gig back up in Salt Lake City, where I grew up. So we moved up north. We were in southern Utah at the time. And, you know, kind of dedicated a few years to living corporate life and having babies and living in a suburb and all, all that fun stuff for several years. But I mean, my daughter, my first baby was like six months old. Todd was gone all day. And when he was home, he was studying for the CPA exam. And I was like, I'm gonna lose my mind all the way. Because coming from somebody who was very driven, lots of work ethic, lots of school, uh, you know, I was working two jobs and going to college full time up until the day I had a baby. And then I had no jobs and no college. <laughs> I was like, who who am I? Uh, so within six months, I started looking for jobs online, found something I could do from home. And I was literally writing grocery store coupon matchups for a deal blogger. Mm -hmm. And that was my first introduction to the world of content blogging. creation and digital right. media and blogging and specifically blogging as a business. She was making great money on affiliate income, uh, right. sponsored work. With, I mean, ads at the time were nothing. It didn't exist. Like advertisements right. on a website were, were like nothing. Um, right. And affiliate revenue was fairly new and sponsored posts were very, very new, but she found a way to make it work and to run a business uh, creating content online. So I worked for her for several years and learned so, so much about, you know, how to create great content and how to interact with people on social media. And I picked up another job from home from there where I was working for a company helping them with social media and email management. So I kind of learned the social media side of a brand interacting with an audience. And I learned, uh, you know, how to do some email customer service and email marketing, stuff like that. And then I landed a job using kind of those skills, I landed a job with Traeger and their, one of their marketing team guys at the time said, you know, we really need to di digitize our recipe library. Because at the time when people were buying a smoker, this was 2012, 11? 2011. 
<laughs> people were buying smokers and they would just hand them this like spiral bound printed recipe book with 25 right. recipes in it or whatever. And that was basically your only resource for learning how to cook on this thing. Um, other than at the time, what was pretty popular were like barbecue forums. And there were a right. couple of websites that kind of had forums on them and we had posts to go along with it. Right. And that was like, they were like, okay, we just need like five recipes a week starting Monday. And I had never cooked on a wood-fired cooker before. I had a lot of food experience. I loved, you know, eating steak and grilled meats. And I was uh, very, very foodie. And I had all of that digital media and content creation background. So I'm like, well, I'll figure it out. Like I can figure this out. So it was like Todd said, baptism by fire with his steak. Like that was my baptism by fire was firing up that smoker for the first time and throwing something on there and seeing what happened. Uh, and I cooked a lot of their recipes. I started writing my own recipes. We got through their library very quickly. Like within the first month, we were through all of their like old school recipes that they had written. And then they said, well, we want more, keep writing. So I started developing recipes. And you now, know- was this pre-Jeremy <laughs> mm -hmm. introduction to Traeger? Well, this was so this right is after he had purchased it. Okay, but did right they after. But he okay. hadn't come into the company yet. He was in he Dr. wasn't involved. It was really. in it was it had already moved to Utah. But no. it wasn't like you know, there's the stories of like everybody being laid off and the whole thing starting over. It was in like the early days of everything starting over. Right. So they weren't in their big warehouse, they weren't a public company, none of that. It was like <clears throat> we have these smokers, how do we market and sell them? And digitizing recipes became kind of a, a thing and writing recipes became a thing. And you know, when you're doing things every single day, five recipes a week is a lot, like a lot, a lot, you, you guys know. Yeah. I mean, yep. even cooking five times a week is like a lot, but yeah. developing and testing recipes, it was a ton of work, but I could do it from home. My kids, we always joke, my kids grew up cutting their teeth on rib bones because my younger <laughs> boys do. They don't remember a time before I had this type of work where I was testing recipes in our kitchen. <laughs> yeah. So it's been uh, it's been almost 12 years of me cooking barbecue in our in our home kitchen. And yeah. so our kids just grew up thinking that was normal. <laughs> and like we're trying well, all this weird food and cooking all these things differently and I found that I had a knack for it and that I really really loved it. So that's kind of that's kind of where it started we actually. Were, we were living paycheck to paycheck. Like I made pretty good money as a CPA, but it was it seemed to just never be enough. So well, was, three kids are expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and all the um, so they were reimbursing they were reimbursing all the food costs. So it was like five free dinners a week. Yeah. And they were paying her per recipe plus any if she if in the recipe post if there was a link to buy something, she was they were giving her some revenue share in there with some stuff. So like, it was crazy. We got to learn how to do barbecue on this pellet smoker and get paid to do it. Uh, it, it was awesome. And get an was, inside look at the early days of all this stuff. So you were able yeah. to- the That's wave wild. was just starting. It, it was the very, right. very beginning. And you know, Traeger outgrew me very quickly. And it was like the best thing that ever happened to me because they said, you know, we're letting go these remote positions. We're bringing everything in house because they built a really big, fancy, you know, headquarters. And I didn't, they're like, we have job openings you can apply, but I didn't want to apply. And they wanted a chef chef and I was definitely a home cook. Uh, but right. through those couple years of working for them and the hundreds of recipes that I personally wrote, 
many of them still live like on the Traeger app today, but they're uncredited. Yeah. <laughs> like you'll never know yeah. whose they were. Yeah. I learned to really love barbecue and I really became pretty active in their social media platforms. Like Traeger Grill Owners had a Facebook group that people would join and share recipes. And I've, I just loved the barbecue community that I got to meet online through this experience. And I also like when you're cooking that much, I think if you do anything enough, you become pretty good at it. Uh, but I learned how to write a really good recipe. I knew that the recipes I wrote were gonna be easy for, for people to follow. And now that I wasn't restricted by the type of grill I was cooking on, I could write a ton of recipes. So I found myself at the end of this like digital media working for other people journey uh, unemployed and I didn't have anybody else to work for and our youngest was a year old and Todd and I sat down and said you know he's providing for us fine it'll be like lean if we go down to one income so what do I actually want to do and he gave me the gift of full freedom to do what I wanted to do and what I really wanted to do was write barbecue recipes I had a choice yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. I love it. I love it. I'm like, that's... Well, I, I just want to iterate. It is a real privilege to be able to have, like, Todd was my sponsor. Like, I had the financial security to start my own thing. Like, right. you know, and we did it on the super cheap. Like, so cheap. I bought my first, I bought HeyGrillHey.com and a year of hosting for like $36 right. on GoDaddy. Yeah. Go and I was yeah. like, all right, let's yeah. go. Like I can justify this cost, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's how it started and that's how it began. And I think a lot of the fire underneath me came from, yes, like the work ethic that I grew up having, but I also loved what I was doing so much and it was what I wanted to do. And right. it was for us and it was for ourselves and it was to share what I had learned with other people um, and it didn't matter what type of grill you owned. It didn't matter if you grew up in the barbecue community or not, if you had a history of barbecue or didn't, because I didn't. It didn't no. matter if you were male or female. I could write a recipe that you could follow and have really good results with and I knew that to be true. So I just went all the way in and worked my butt off and Todd would help out wherever he could. and. I don't know. So that's that's kind of like the precursor to how Hey Grill Hey started. And it's just awesome. been a lot of fun and a lot of work since then. <laughs> and I've told you this before, but you two, you in particular, well, you both, because you're both here. I'd say this if Todd wasn't here, but sure. he's here, so I'm going to throw <laughs> sure. him in as well. But you guys don't phone it in. That's why you've always been such a big inspiration to me. The the work that you put in behind, everything is meticulously done from the way you do your videos to the recipes you post, the content. It's always has come across like a business, uh, soup to nuts. So your work ethic shows through. And I love the fact that A, you're not a trained culinary person, but B, you don't make it up as you go. You actually put in the work to do all the recipe development in the background so when the recipe hits your site and the videos and all that stuff, everybody could really know that the work went into it and they could trust this recipe. So um, you all do a really good job. So that's great to hear how that translated from where you were to how you got. It's no surprise to me. And now that I know that you grew up in the restaurant business, I kind of get where you get the work ethic from. It's pretty, pretty <laughs> impressive. No, I and that's exactly it, the hustle, right? To see 
Is, isn't it kind of wild? So when you were starting the blog and you were working on that and building everything, the people around you that were doing similar things, did you find it funny that every time you looked at them, they were like standing still and you were just flying past them with everything you were doing? Standing still. Oh my gosh. No, I feel like it's just been, I mean, I started around the same time as a couple other people and many of them have far surpassed me in their like reach and growth on social media and others have grown in other ways and when i started there really just wasn't enough still on the internet and i think that's why we've been so fortunate yes we've planned and we have hustle and we work and all of these things but we also hit the market at a really great time um it was kind of the beginning of the pellet grill revolution where everybody and their dog felt like all of a sudden smoking in the backyard was accessible. Where previously there were higher barriers of entry. The education wasn't there, the family history wasn't there, uh, the exposure wasn't there if you lived in a particular region. So having social media come out at the same time, having, you know, dot coms becoming so much more established and such, you know, additional resources. Plus, blogging had been around at that time for several years. Like food blogging had existed. Um, I was just able and lucky and fortunate enough to hit at a time where all of those things were ramping up. And I was able to, like I said, pull from my own experience and all of these different little jobs and, and things that I had done and put them into one thing at a time when it was, it was ready to go anyway. I felt like all I had to do was just keep showing up. So we have friends that started at the same time that like they're huge on social media now and other ones are amazing like in the competition space and some have restaurants and like I feel like all of us that started at the same time have kind of just been like riding this hype train like looking around like ah and then there are people that came later that are far more successful than I am in different ways and I really focused on the website side of things um, because I knew where my strength was and that was recipe development and recipe writing. And so I leaned heavy into blogging because that was that was where I felt I was the best. Yep. And it's tangible and real. I mean, we've seen how TikTok and social media has changed so dramatically in the last two years. And where is it going to change? So whomever is riding the high on this, they may not be riding the high in two years, three years from now when the next new thing is, but you've built a blue chip sort of stock business. You, your content, your recipes, uh, the videos, your products now, the warehouse, the, the line of products. I mean, it's just, you know, and that's what all, at the end of the day, it's great to be able to get in engagement, people attracted to you and your product online, uh, but that's marketing, the real business aspect of it. You all have done so well. And again, kudos. Well, I like it. In Canada, Canada's like 10 years behind the states and everything they do, right? It's a magic trick, right? So when your stuff came in, Matt, I'm trying to think of his last name, but you guys know him up here in, uh, Matt in Edmonton. And yeah, yeah, he's just a sweetheart, man. And when, yep. when he brought your stuff in, he's like, look, this is like, and I was like, well, you know, okay, check this out. And as soon as I hit that blog, I was like, they're a damn brand. Like they're a, a whole, there's the whole kit and caboodle right there like wow <laughs> and it started with like picking up a, a, a one of your seasoning and, and that was it and it was That's like awesome yeah i and still worked just... with cassandra everett that did your website way back in the day yeah. i loved your website so much that i got cast to do mine and so you know, cool it has was, been was... yeah we've known each other for a while it has been an insane journey and we just every single day like we're just out here doing this like this is <laughs> like, this is <laughs> yeah. work 
Um, yeah, incredibly fortunate, and it's been it's been a ride. The fun thing is to be able to go to these because we're not competition at all. Like we're yeah. backyard. That's who we gear to. But we go to big, you know, the the Royal in Kansas City or Memphis in May, and just people are so nice and friendly and welcoming, and we're just immediate friends, and they know who we are and. It's just awesome to have that support and love from the whole community. Like, I think the barbecue community is not known or, you know, it's untouted. I don't know the right words, but, like, it's got to be the most accepting, loving community, I think, that I can think of. Like, it's just been amazing. So we're it's, super grateful for that. Yeah. It's awesome. I, I Every now and again, I wear my Memphis and May shirt, and there'll be people in my life that don't know much about barbecue at all, and they'll be like, there's a festival and a competition for barbecue. <laughs> so, like, people that are really outside of this universe are like, have no idea what it's like. But you're right. Yeah. I mean, going to Memphis and Maine, all those things, it's uh, it's like one big love fest, even though it's an intense competition. It's everybody in the field is just amazing. So, the one thing I found interesting too, doing a little research on you instead of just, you know, looking at your recipes and your videos and stuff was that you have two world records. So I found all the information oh on the God. first <laughs> world record that you have, Those but I couldn't so find old. anything on the, but we need to talk about world records. What's the second one? I don't even know the if first I one is you cook hot dogs for like two days straight with this other random person, <laughs> oh but I couldn't gosh. find the other world record. So now I need to know what the second so one was. The second one was the largest grilling class. I was invited at like, kind of like press to go cover it. Uh, and Chris Lilly taught with Weber and we were in the Kansas City Chiefs parking lot and it was the largest grilling class and there were like hundreds of people. Weber put out a ton of grills. There were like six people per grill and it was a really fun experience and it was one of my first like <laughs> out there as like a barbecue like a personality. Person, like a, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it was a trip. But yeah, that the, the first one is one that has my name on the record uh, for the longest grilling marathon and we grilled for something like 27, no, it was 30, something. 30, I don't even remember. I was delirious, but it was two <laughs> straight days on a New York City street corner in August. <laughs> and that was super fun. Uh, I got to do some cool, I got to meet some Food Network personalities at the time. My like end all dream was to be on Food Network. Like well, that was, I love doing food television. We did a couple local TV shows, kind of just talking about, you know, what I was doing and sharing recipes, like those local daytime news shows, you know? And I, I did my first one and I was like, how do I do this for the rest of my life? Like that was the most fun, highest energy. Like I felt like I was floating the whole time. A few of us went and watched her, like a couple friends and her brother and his wife. And as she, when it started and she started going, we all just like looked at each other. We were like, oh my goodness. Like she's good at this. Like where did this right. come from? Yep. It was awesome. Yeah, That's it felt like I had unlocked this like hidden talent that I didn't know that I had. <laughs> and I like, I freaking loved it. So any opportunity they had to be involved in anything Food Network after that, I was like, I'm going. So when they said that this hot dog thing was a part of like a Food Network sponsored event, yep. I was like filming a YouTube video in my friend's backyard. I was like, let's go, I'm getting in. And I got picked and I got to go compete and it was this whole thing. Uh, we got to do back lot tours of like the Food Network studios and kitchens in New York City. I cooked with Tyler Florence and 
Anyway, I was like, this is it. I have peaked. I have made it. There is nothing left after this. Uh, but I like set a couple more Food Network related goals and I was going to have my own show and I got to judge on a few shows. And anyway, we did some really, really cool TV stuff for several years in there that was just like truly the funnest. I got to compete on Barbecue Brawl with Bobby Flay and Michael Simon and Tuffy Stone. You came Stone in second. And, you almost, oh you almost whooped Leanne's butt on that <laughs> show. She beat That's me. Okay. Yeah, I know she did, but you got close. Show. You were right yep. there. Yep. You were almost there. Oh, my gosh. But it was the funnest experience, and I'm grateful that that like, whole chapter of my life happened. It was freaking awesome. COVID kind of like wound that back down, which is fine. We're in a really great spot to do We're doing a lot of other stuff right now, so it's no longer like something I'm actively pursuing, but... It was so fun. And like who gets to do that as part of like their career trajectory? Like that it's was It's amazing. That was and it was also nuts. cool watching all that stuff happen because on your stories on Instagram and stuff, you'd always be sharing, This was my goal, Todd would post these things, you know, this Susie's always wanted to be on the Food Network. And then not only were you on the barbecue brawl and almost won, but you had your own show. Didn't I you? I did. did no. It was one episode. COVID killed it, but I kid you not. I feel like I'm I'm a religious person, but I also believe that it like, you know, you can set goals and work towards things and, and as you do that, things will align in your favor, right? Um, and uh, so that was like a big goal of mine and I put it out there and I like prayed over it and I wanted this to happen and I feel like God gave me one episode and was like, okay, we did it. You good? You have other stuff to focus on. <laughs> right. And so it kind of was this awesome thing where the show aired. It aired incredibly well, by the way. Right. We were able yeah. to see like the ratings the next day and for the day that it aired and the time that it aired, like it killed. Our audience showed up. Like right. there was no reason for them to not pick it up except for it aired during early stages of COVID when they everybody cut advertiser spending. And so I think Discovery at that particular week that my show aired, they were down a billion dollars. So they oh, were like, yeah. we are literally not funding any new television shows, right. like period. And it was like such a nail in the coffin of like, oh, oh, it's over. And then right. once it was over, like all of a sudden I realized all of the other things that I wanna be doing. Like, yeah. you know, I had focused so hard on this one thing for so long that like reopened a bunch of doors in my mind for me. And, and we've just been having a ton of fun since then. But yeah, it was, it happened. I did get a show, I'm counting it. <laughs> well, I'm curious as to your perspective, Mark uh, and Faye from the Grill Dads have told me this before. Cause you know, I always am curious when I'm around folks that have been on the Food Network. And they said, you know, for us, well, we did the Guy Fieri thing and then we got our show and then we remember when the first show aired and we were like, we sat back and we were rubbing our hands. We we're like, oh, we're gonna have a million followers on Instagram yeah, after this. we've made it. Yeah, we've made it. And they said, you know, we got like 17 old grannies that like started following us the next yeah, day. Dude. It wasn't, it didn't <laughs> translate into what they had seen in their head. And so what they've kind of told me softly or hardly, depending on uh, how you view this is, Given it all over to do again, they would put it kind of in a different direction, like Mott's Burger with the YouTube channel and having complete control over that stuff. So have you thought of transitioning with all of your amazing way that you are on camera, your content creation, your personality, and, and just sort of pivoting into like doing your own show on YouTube or a, a format like yeah, that? Yeah, man. 
It's happening. I mean, uh, up to date, our YouTube channel has mostly been just recipe demonstrations. Um, because, like I said, my, my focus so heavily has been where I'm really, truly the best is, is recipe development and recipe writing and sharing recipes in a way that people can have success. Like, you can pick up one of my recipes and follow it start to finish, and it should turn out for you. Yep. Uh, and that's really one of the hallmarks that I have I've built an entire career around is, you know, being able to replicate a barbecue recipe at home, whether it's your first time or your 40th. The YouTube videos were also strategic because with all these Google updates for SEO and blah, 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 one thing, you know, five years ago that came out was if you have a video embedded in your recipe card on how to cook the recipe, then you will rank higher in the Google rankings. Well, yeah. it's not stated, but... Yeah, it was unspoken. You figured that out serendipitously. Yeah. 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 So I, you know, and it coincided really well because people wanted a demonstration, especially for barbecue things. Yeah. Because if you've never cooked something before, there are a lot of terms in barbecue that might be unfamiliar. So if somebody says, you want your bark to feel crispy and look mahogany before you wrap it, and you've right. never cooked a brisket before, you're like... Okay, so part of it's crispy, but part of it's soggy. Do I keep going? Okay, it's like also mahogany, but also like maybe black, and also it still looks like yellow from the mustard. Do I wrap it? Like unless you can see something sometimes, it's hard to get a full understanding of what somebody's talking about just through text. Yeah. So video for us, like YouTube for us, was a supplement to the website. It was a way for people to have more successful outcomes with their cooks, and that's really how YouTube started for us, and that's what we focused on with sharing recipes over there is I get to be on camera and I get to share my recipes and hopefully you get to have a better outcome at home. But we just moved literally last week into our house and this is my first home that we have lived in in 12 years that I have been writing barbecue recipes that I will have a separate kitchen yeah. for recipe development and filming and photography and content creation. Uh, like I said, my kids have grown up under my feet doing this in my actual house kitchen. And there have been a lot of times where it's like the most stressful thing ever to try and build a business on top of raising a family and literally doing it in the same room of your house all of the time. And so I'm super excited to have a separate space and that's gonna give us a little bit more creative room I think to to release some new styles of videos. So you're gonna see some things that are a little bit different. We're actually sketching out our content plan through the rest of the year right now. And it's gonna feel more like a show and less like a recipe walkthrough. So we're very, very excited. More of so, Todd cradling baby briskets and stuff like that. Yeah. I, listen, I got a fun character coming out. You guys are gonna love it. <laughs> <laughs> so th this takes us right into the, the one of the big questions I had for you. Uh, and you said it perfectly, babies running around your feet while you're in the middle of content creation. What what are some of the huge hurdles or, or drawbacks that you had building this while being at home, being a mother, you know, how, how was that struggle? Because I know just as a dad, you know, floating around trying to do this and, and sometimes you, you can't do a second take. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's one brisket slice and that's it. And you got someone, you know, screaming with a, a toy in their hand. It, it, it's... Tell people about that, because I can just imagine the fun you had. <laughs> um, you know, it has actually been really fun. I consider myself like one of the most blessed humans to exist because I got to simultaneously build my business and raise my babies. Um, and a lot of women don't have that luxury or that privilege to be able to stay home. You know, my mom was really wise in her counsel, and she's like, you know, if you do anything, like, keep it in the family. Like 
if you have to hire a nanny, like maybe just slow down some of the ambitions so that you can stay home with your kids because you wanted kids first and you wanted kids the most. And I was lucky enough to have Todd working a full-time career to where I could I could take some of those liberties and, and have that privilege. And that was kind of our arrangement at the time. Um, and then when my business started growing and I was realizing like this is taking time away from my kids, I either need to hire in-home help or my business is gonna stall out, which is fine. You know, that was an option that I was considering that was on the table. I actually quit blogging for like an entire summer one year because it just got freaking hard. Yep. Um, when my kids were all home from school, I was like, I guess I'm done with this now. Like, how do I fit any of this in? Um, and in that time, the first couple years, you're not making anything. Yeah, I was like yep. 18 months in and not making any money. And I was like, how much longer is this sustainable? So there was definitely yeah. like a burnout period in there one summer that truly was like very, very difficult. And I, I called it quits. Like I didn't sell the domain or anything. I'd already like paid for it, but I did not post in like three months um, and kind of had to restart a little bit there. But I'm so glad that I did obviously now. But yeah, we hit that point where it was like, I can't keep all the balls in the air. Um, and luckily by that point we had grown to a, a place where I was actually making more money than Todd was which felt like a freaking miracle so we sat down and had a really hard conversation and I said okay like either you need to quit and come home and parent full-time and we'll have a complete shift in our roles um, where you take on lead parenting and I become the main breadwinner or we need to hire help for our kids or I need to hire an employee um, to come work full time in the business to help me run all of this stuff so we don't stall out. I'm like, those are our three options. And we sat down and looked at our finances and Todd was uh, heavy into accounting at that time. And he mapped out the next six months and said, okay, if we can maintain this for six months, I'll leave. Cause that to him is like, we'll have enough in the bank with dual incomes. We'll save six months. If I have to find a job, like we can make it work. Gives us a buffer. Um, wow. Yeah, gave us a little bit of a buffer. And uh, the next day he went to work and he calls me just after lunch. He says, hey, I said, hi. And he said, so I just, I just quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> nice, awesome. Um, and his boss was amazing and he literally gave six months notice. That doesn't always work. Sometimes when you're like, hey, I'm leaving, your boss is like, okay, bye. Yep. Thanks for not being invested in the company. Um, but his boss gave him that six months to, to find his replacement and kind of train somebody and transition Todd out of the company. And I gotta tell you, nothing is more motivating than realizing you're gonna be down to only your income. <laughs> well, <right. laughs> we were, so we were out to lunch and I was explaining what was going on and the conversation that we had, cause I'd been, he knew what we were building and he knew what we were, I was gearing towards, you know, we wanted to be self-employed and, so I told him what was going on and he, he was just a very motivating person and he was all in on what we were building. He told me this story about some ancient explorer named Cortez or something who, oh, yeah. you know, he showed up <laughs> with his, heard it. showed up with his yeah. ships. And then when they got there, he had them push him out, push the ships back out to sea and lit them on fire. Yeah. So like, yeah. we're here, we're going to figure out how to make it work. So he's like, yeah. look, you just tell me when you want to burn the ships and like, let's figure it out. And I was just like, I'm ready. I just, it can't be tomorrow. And then he said, well, just 
let's take six months. That'll give us a really good time to find your replacement because I had kind of grown into my own role in this company that didn't exist. And it was awesome of him to do that. But yeah, so January of that year is when she said, you're going to quit your job this year. I was making like $500 a month, by the way. <laughs> I was like, right. yeah, sure. He was like, I bet you are. Like, from $500 a month to replacing, like, both of our incomes. Yeah. Right. But, yeah, that was in – so that was in June when I had this chat with my CFO, and then I was gone in December. So that year I quit my job. So – but it's something you said earlier really struck me, and I want to dive into that a little bit if we can. So that summer that you had the kids at home and you're like, I'm not making any because I've been there. You do all this thing, and we've talked about this before. You do something, you're like, this is going to be a huge blog post. And you don't even rank or show up for three or four months after you put this in there. So you've got to be really strategic about your timing. But at the time that you were going through that burnout, what made you pick it back up and start blogging again if you weren't making any money then? What was what was the, the dip? And then what was the, the sunlight at the end of the tunnel that made you go forward? I just never stopped loving barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, honestly, that's what brought me back is somebody would share something on social media that they had cooked a recipe of mine and that it had turned out. And this was the experience they had cooking my recipes. And I'm like, oh man, like they're out there. Like right. people are out there and like there is a need for this and there is a desire for this type of content that doesn't exist. There is a connection point between me and somebody in their backyard that right. wouldn't otherwise exist. And I loved the work. Um, I loved that I was building my own thing. I became more mindful after that of my time. Um, I actually hired help after that point to help me manage my social media and I became smarter. I didn't feel like I had to do it all by myself because it was either I got help or it ended. Yeah. Um, like there was just no, there's no middle ground of doing it all by yourself and succeeding. So that's when I started becoming smarter about my time. I was working more efficiently. Uh, I hired somebody in the industry who I really, really respected to be a mentor and a coach to me for like a six week, like mini coaching session. That was incredibly motivating to me and, you know, got me back in the game and, and got me on my feet again. And so it wasn't all sunshine and daisies and roses, especially because that success with like, the Food Network and the grilling world record and that stuff, that happened like six months into me starting the blog. So I was like, oh, it's all uphill. And right. then when it wasn't, right. where what was I left with? Right. You know, like yeah. how, how, how do you keep going when it's so good and then it's not? And I think we've seen that a lot with social media. Like a lot of people come and go and a lot of people start big and then drop off because it's not always easy. It's not always successful. It's not always an upward trajectory and it never will be. And I like, I kick myself now and I think it's so funny that I like was so entitled to believe that it would be for me. Like, no, for me, it will always be successful and easy. Like, no, nobody is immune to difficulty or to strife or to success. And, you know, I kept just thinking if I just work harder, maybe I'll be successful, um, but that just led me to burnout. And so I learned to work smarter and I learned to, you know, Todd and I really dug in after that too. We said, well, if we're gonna do this, it has to have a purpose. It needs to mean more than just being a business or just providing revenue. And so in those times when maybe we're not making as much, can we still draw satisfaction from the work that we're doing? 
Um, because yes, the money is a great affirmation. Like being able to grow a business is a great confirmation that the work you're doing has value. Certainly. I'm not going to discount that, but it's not always going to be a great month and you're not going to see growth every month and you're not going to see growth every year. So do you still love the work enough and does it still have enough purpose and meaning to you that you can keep doing it when it's a downtime? And so we went back to the drawing board. And like I said, he's been there from day one, maybe not always in the capacity in the company that he is now with the work that he does. But in terms of being like my number one support system and sounding board, he has always been there. And we started with why we took it all the way back down. Like, why does blogging about barbecue even matter? And we got down to a place where it mattered so deeply to us and we believed that it would matter so deeply to other people that we could build on that. And for us, that really is those those moments and those memories and taking it back to, you know, my restaurant experiences growing up, putting that plate of food down on the table and being a part of somebody's life experience and somebody's memories and having that be tied to a food experience that's incredibly impactful to us and barbecue is a great way to make that connection uh i think better than a lot of food that i've come across and so it's a place that we have fallen in love with truly in a very deep uh and personal way and i hope i hope i hope that that like deep resounding reason is conveyed through the work that we do like yes our branding is on point and our website is great and things are you know they feel really professional and meticulous and and i i hope that reflects us because we really legitimately care like we care so deeply about the work that we're doing and we believe that it has so much value that we want to do it right and we want to do it the best that we possibly can well i i have to say it's a testament that both you and Todd hold together a family like that um, while building something that big. You know what I mean? A lot of people don't see what it's like. We all understand because we're all social media creators, right? Your phone eats up how much of your time. Too much. And that's time, that's time that you're sacrificing with the kids. I get this all the time when I'm traveling and people are like, well, how do you do this with a family? It, it, it ain't fun. It ain't easy, right? Everything that you do to push something farther ahead is going to sacrifice something behind that you can't see and other people can't see. So it's awesome that that response was perfect. And it's people need to see that part of it, right? So thank you guys very much. Yeah, it was beautiful. How many <laughs> times have you fired Todd? Honestly, you guys, I keep trying. He won't quit. I keep whatever. I keep trying to get fired. He won't fire me. That's not true. I keep hiring all these people to take his jobs. He's just well, one of the funniest up. things, Todd. I remember when you all were launching your uh, your product line, and I'm like, "Good gosh, they sent Todd all the way to China. What is he doing in China?" <laughs> he just wanted to go. I was like, That's he was it. like in China, like going up. Like, I hope he gets back. This is crazy. An- <laughs> another thing that no one brings up is Todd has the best looking legs in barbecue. So there's that as well, eh? I there's- am so <laughs> glad that you guys noticed. <laughs> I mean, I can't bring it up because it's weird, and I don't want other people looking. Listen to me. I feel like once word is out, I'm going to have to fight off the ladies, and I don't, I don't know if I want to do that, but I'm really glad that you brought it up. He has the best legs in barbecue. I also, were you voted best calves in high school? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Most Tina likely Turner. to be a model, Tina Turner, actually. this guy. It's crazy. 
unbelievable. I so had a nickname it. with a group of girls called. They just called me Ankles. Oh my gosh! Go. So it's so really, circle truly back phenomenal. to your origin story. It had nothing to do with the rock and roll T-shirt he had on and everything oh, to do with his legs. The man was wearing <laughs> jeans. I didn't know. It was like a bonus surprise come spring. I was already invested in a relationship at that point. The first time I saw him, I was like, oh. T-shirt and legs, I'm all a in. Lottery. Lottery That's winner. A, I had no idea. Unbelievable. I could I see it. a sub account now being created. Not oh, no. Taste Test Todd, but uh, Cav. Cav. Look at Cod, Todd's calves. Todd's calves. Todd's calves. Todd's calves. Hashtag Todd's calves. Hashtag Todd's calves. As long as it's not my feet. I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> now this is really going to jump in the rankings. It's going to be a foot Listen, if you show, see so. us in videos now and I start panning down to his calves after yep. every shot, like, yep. oh, no, the camera, I forgot to turn it off. There's Todd's legs. Um, yep. We're just going to see what that does to the algorithm. <laughs> so I, I was waiting for you guys to say you were going to come out with a TV show about will it burnt ends. Oh, my God. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> I think that is so funny. So you guys should know something about Todd and I is we take nothing seriously. Well, and, yeah. well, we take a lot of things seriously, but right. nothing too seriously. Nothing sacred because we don't have a barbecue history. Yeah. So yep. because we didn't grow up in barbecue culture and barbecue families, we're like, right. Yeah, we can spam some burn-ins. And the people that did are so mad at us. Like, no, that is not burn-ins. And I'm like, y'all, I know I know what they are. I'm just calling it this thing that. And they're like, you can't. And I'm like. Yeah, oh, we just did. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. I do it anyway. And I just. So Will It Burn-Ins was a really fun, like, TikTok and Instagram reel series that we did. And I yeah. feel like we have to bring it back. We kind of stopped filming in the moving process because it was just, you know, moving's the worst. And I need never want to do it again in my life. But you need to do it at the Royal or something. That'd be like that'd be the ice cream yeah. right there. It'd be perfect. yeah. We've offended yes. the whole state of Kansas. Oh, I love yeah. it. And so Missouri. it all started at Memphis in May. I was yep. cooking. They put me in charge of ancillaries, and it was anything beef. And I did filet mignon burnt ends. And so I took I cubed Blast in like me. perfect size <laughs> little burnt ends. And on the top and bottom, I did a charcoal rub. So it looked like bark yep. on the top and bottom. And on the sides, I rolled them in my sweet rub. So it had that like smoky paprika red, red, yep. smoked them on the PK, glazed them in like a really sticky, sweet barbecue sauce and served them to the judges. I think we tied for what, sixth, third? third. We Jeez. came in sixth. We tied for third. And so that's kind of how it started. And it started as a joke. Like they yep. look like in that box that turn in box they looked like perfect yep. classic brisket saucy burnt ends that you would get in a competition style turn in box they were gorgeous they were shiny they were everything it was a medium and rare you bite filet. into it and it's a medium rare filet mignon like it was just so delightful and they were so delicious that that's kind of what kicked off the whole like will it burn ends you know <laughs> saga but Plus the hot dog. Plus the hot dog burn-ins. Yeah. I mean, we did yeah, those like eternity ago, but it's because we did poor man's burn-ins and then people were yelling at me about that because chuck roast is apparently not poor enough for people. And <laughs> I couldn't call them poor man's because chuck roast was $5.99 a pound or whatever. Yeah. So my brother's like, what's the cheapest thing that you could cube and call actual poor man's burn-ins? And we were in the backyard of my sister's house. I'm like, oh, hot dogs all day. So we made hot dog burn ends kind of as like a joke to make fun of the people that were yelling at me about poor man's burn ends. Um, we like slice it and then cut it open. Yeah, in the if you video watch the original video, <laughs> we like treated them like you would treat a burn end. Like Brisket. I squoze the little hot dog to yeah. have like the, the hot dog juice. 
Yeah. Anyway, That's we, we so really funny. did like roll them out kind of to be a little bit tongue in cheek and a little bit funny. They went totally viral. Like I have yeah. cooked those on the kitchen on Food Network before and they went everywhere. People started outranking me on like Google search results for like this recipe that I made up in my sister's backyard. It was the funniest thing <laughs> ever to me funny. that they like took off. And then with reels and like YouTube shorts and whatever, they went crazy viral again, but other people making them. Yeah. Right. I'm like, oh no, I missed the boat on my own uh, trend. And then yeah. people were yelling at me for yeah. ripping off hot dog burn ends from some yeah. other recipes creator. from other right. creators. And I'm like, oh man, like I got the receipts on this one, but nice try. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it was so funny. But anyway, I well, that's, like that's one that has grown bigger than us and we've just released it to the world as a gift. That that's what I say to all the purists when they start barking about that stuff. How's how's your plays looking? Just saying. Like it's there's nothing you can say to that. What whatever yeah. it is, like you're getting the views, so it's that's crazy. You know, I don't know. Crazy. We're we're here for a good time, friends. And I am oh, sorry exactly. if we ruin barbecue. No, no, not at all. That, this that's the joke, right? Like your your pork belly like a brisket, right? Yeah. And then people are like, That's not a brisket, that's a pork belly. Why are you Oh, well, we did try to like it. a brisket and people oh, lost yeah. their whole minds. Oh, yeah. The brisket. Northern, the Northern Californians really yeah. hate that one. Yeah, but then the everybody trisket. did that too because it was yeah. really popular. Like yeah. Malcolm's done it now and he's like, everybody did them because they were super popular. But it just started in this tiny little camp chef group where somebody was like, my people don't like medium rare, but I had this beautiful tri-tip, but I didn't want to cook it well done. So I thought, what would happen? Yeah. And it turned out great. And I was like, dude, do you care if I write up a post about this? Because I think people would really appreciate having like a brisket, but out of a smaller cut. And they were like, yeah, no problem. So I write up the post. I give them credit. I publish it. It goes viral again because people are mad about it. And then as is the world in online content creation, yeah. everybody now has their own iteration of tri-tip like a brisket, which is like <laughs> so funny. But we have a song. So yeah, nice. we do have a song. Our kids still sing it. That's awesome. <laughs> Does it sound like tri-tip like a brisket? Oh, Todd will sing it for you. <laughs> Try to smoke like a brisket. <laughs> I was close. You were so, very close. So let's get into your products and stuff. I mean, you just sent me a batch. Thank you very much. And I did that post on the chicken. Yes, and thank you. Uh, it, you know, usually you do this stuff and you're like, eh, you know, da, 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 sauce and it's, da, da, da. but that <laughs> whiskey uh, bourbon, the whiskey uh, peach sauce that you have is that was a good chicken. The rub and the the sauce is good. So what uh, what are your lineup of products and what's next? Yeah, what's next? So we have a line of six rubs and sauces. I'll give you the short spiel. They're a little bit unique in the world of barbecue seasonings and sauces. A lot of the things that you see are kind of built for the competition space, especially if you're going into a barbecue pro shop. So there's a lot of like MSG or phosphates that are designed to very quickly like tenderize and flash season. Like so the judges get those hot, hot, like zippy taste bud things going on in one bite. Um, we're definitely designed more for the backyard. We use salt from here in Utah where we live. There's an ancient mineral seabed and we use mineral mined sea salt. So it's a little bit of a softer salt experience um, than you're gonna taste in most conventional rubs on the market. What else? Oh, our sauces are also a little bit unique. We don't use any high fructose corn syrup in there and we don't use any liquid smoke. So when you taste our sauces right out the bottle, you're gonna feel like it doesn't taste like barbecue sauce the way that you know it. Because barbecue sauce on American store shelves and you know a lot of competition barbecue sauces add liquid smoke. And that's what we've become accustomed to tasting. But 
barbecue doesn't really need sauce, right? I think sauce should be like a complement to whatever you're cooking. So by leaving out the liquid smoke, we really let the work that you put in on the grill and the smoker shine. Because uh, who wants to spend however many hours smoking ribs or pulled pork or whatever, uh, infusing it with smoky flavor and you're hand picking the wood and you're building this clean fire. You're doing all this like beautiful, loving effort to infuse good smoke flavor into your barbecue. And then you're serving it with a sauce that has liquid smoke flavoring in it. I just like cannot emotionally comprehend the reasoning and the logic behind it. Even if it tastes good, like it just feels, <laughs> feels wrong. Uh, so we don't have any liquid smoke in our sauces because we want we want the work that you do to really shine through. So they have kind of like a slightly different taste than most conventional barbecue sauces. And we do some really fun flavors, like you said, with the whiskey peach. Um, we have an apple jalapeno that's delicious. And, you know, a bunch of other sauces that, that we really, really love. What else is coming out? Oh, want to talk about the kits? Yeah. One, one thing I want to say, though, it's been really cool because... We, I think 10 of the 12 things, the recipes are on the website. So you can yeah. just make it at home. Like, who does that? Like, no, this yeah. is a secret recipe. And yeah. you can, no. Like, but we've been so successful with sales. And I think that could be a part of it. Like, yeah. I, I, like our number one reference, our number one selling product is our sweet rub. And our number one reference is the sweet rub post online. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just awesome. And the other the other thing that's been really cool to see is I've watched her handcraft each and every one of these in our on our kitchen counter, like with ten different bowls out and adding little bits here and there until she dials in the exact specific thing she's trying to get to. It's really awesome to watch. I can never do it. I, I'm Jesus. just like so I'm like brown sugar, salt, pepper, paprika. Throw <laughs> it on a pork butt. Like she like. Yeah specific little additions of this and that you know and it's just been really it's it's really fun to watch but do you do the um, taste testing before and after because rubs <laughs> always taste way different after they've cooked and melted together than they do when they're in the raw form so i know a lot of that iterative process is to do the taste testing before and then cook yep. and then after yes. it's a long many process. many 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 iterations i don't love them. there are many other sweet rubs that i love better right out of the bottle but there aren't any that I like more than her sweet rub on a pork, but after the cook, uh, something that something that she did. I don't know. It's it's fantastic. But. He's not paid to say that. No, <laughs> but he's fired if he doesn't. There you go. I love it. No, we you know we've we've had some fun this last year. So we tried out this new thing with a kit. So back for Thanksgiving, it seems like everyone in the barbecue product world was on the same wavelength. But um, we released a turkey kit that had a brine a rub and a glaze in it, which did extremely well, uh, which was exciting. So we were going to, we ordered, a, you know, just a few boxes. And then I told the guy printing the boxes, I was like, yeah, let's double that. So and we then were gonna I doubled do, it again. We were going to do 250 because we really had no frame of reference for how a kit like this would sell. We'd never like pre-bundled things in a way that was for one purpose. And we custom developed the brine, the rub, and the sauce specifically for this kit. And so just cost of production, we were like, okay, like 250, this will be our test run. We'll see what happens. And Todd's like, I think we could do 500. And I was like, that's terrifying because, you know, in an inventory business, you want to move product quickly, but in a food business, especially yeah. we want things to be as fresh as humanly possible um, when people get them at home. 
And so I'm like, 500 is terrifying. And then he tells me the next day after he places the order that while he was on the phone, he doubled it and we're doing a <laughs> thousand. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I'm like, everybody on our team, I'm sending out messages, like whatever we have to do, like let's hit email, let's hit text, let's hit social, let's write specific posts about them, let's post a video on YouTube, like whatever we have to do to sell these because I do not want to sit on them. Calling every retailer, oh hey, will you take gosh, 20 of these? will you please take, anyway, it was, worry was all in vain because we sold a thousand of them in a week. Like they yep. were gone, gone. It was yep. unbelievable. So Todd totally made the right call. Um, and we're excited to roll out a few more kits this year because I loved the development process and putting it all together was like a really new creative challenge for me. So we're gonna be coming out with a ham kit for Easter that'll nice. give you like a wicked awesome, either like a spiral glazed double smoked ham or if you've never had a pulled ham, it will change your life. My sweet, sweet mother came over and ate one of the hams during the testing process and was like, Susan, she's the mm -hmm. only one that's allowed to call me Susan. Yep. She said, Susan, this is the best ham I've ever had in my life. And I have eaten so much ham. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you did. And I was like, yes, this yes. is it. Mom likes it. it. Yep, Mom said it. this was the best ham ever. And that is now our benchmark for every new product we come out. Like if it is not the best turkey you've ever had, if it is not going to be the best ham you've ever had, like I don't want to make it. It's yeah, trash. Yeah. Throw it yeah. out. So we've uh, we've really upped the bar, and we're going to be coming out with a ham kit this year. We're going to be doing some gift boxes for Father's Day and Mother's Day, and we're going to be doing a wing kit for tailgating in the fall nice. uh, for a smoke-fried wing kit that I am Ooh. so excited about, and and then we're going to be doing the turkey kit again in the fall. The cool awesome. thing with this, is, and I'm not talking down on, you know, the other companies that release stuff, is like, you, you know, some of them are releasing turkey kits, and it was just like, one of their existing rubs and their yep. turkey brine, and that was their turkey kit, which is awesome. But, you know, we, we're leveling up. Like, each yep. thing in the ham kit, we are going to have our zesty gold, which is a it's one of our brand-new sauces, but there's going to be a brand-new seasoning and a brand-new ham glaze in there, and it's specific for that kit. They're never going to be sold individually. I, I don't know. I think it's really fun. It's like limited drops. It's, it's well, going it to be a good time. it goes back to the beginning that – Susie was saying when you broke everything down and why am I doing this? I just read, yep. you know, it's the new year. I'm reading all these new books, you know, trying yeah, yeah. to get motivated. <laughs> I just read Atomic Habits. That was the first book. <gasps> yes. I'm reading that is, one too. Oh, it's, so it's good. awesome. And the thing oh that, that made, why I'm bringing it up now is the thing that really hit me early in the book is when he said, people always think about what they want to do as the goal. I'm, um, you know, for ease of thing, hey, I'm going to run a marathon. And then they set the items to get to the goal, right? So you've yeah. got the goal, I'm going to run a marathon, and then I'm going to train in all this week. But unless you change who you are, the core, he said it's like an onion. So unless you yeah. change the who that you are, I am a person that can run a marathon. You're never going to do those steps. You're never going to finish yep. that goal. You work from so, the outside in. It's not going to work yeah. out. Right. Yep. So to me, listening to the way Todd just described the way you do your new products is your core, the way you identify and see yourselves is that question that you pose to yourself. Why am I doing this? I'm doing this to, in order to make the people the best backyard 
barbecuers that they could be. Yeah. And so that translates to you're not just phoning it in for these new products. You're actually extending that all the way into um, the best ham of your life. Out. The yeah, best ham exactly. of your life. <laughs> That's there you go. Which seems like so silly, but legitimately is a really good ham. <laughs> I you know, the the comments that we got during Thanksgiving, we were brought I we were brought to tears a few times of just yep. you know, people who have been cooking turkeys for their families for, you know, forty years and they're like, yep. This is the best turkey we've ever had and everybody agreed and that was just really fulfilling to us i saw it in susie's eyes and we we could just feel that and it it was just an awesome experience well that and and this is the whole thing that we do as content creators pushing our recipes and stuff like that that this is for you guys to be able to sell a kit to make a turkey and say I, i i i'm not very good at cooking and i get that and i have 10 people over for thanksgiving and it's moved everybody at the table like you can't pay for that you know no, what I mean? No. So you've we you've call actually, that the backyard barbecue hero moment. Yeah. Like, that's exactly yeah. it, and th- and that's like that's awesome. And to know the cake flowing yeah. behind and the like because we've well, experienced that and we want that for other people. Yeah, yeah exactly. but I do have a question. How much was that turkey kit? I don't remember. It was thirty nine ninety nine. All right, so mm-hmm. he he did pay for it. I paid thirty nine dollars to That's get it. those yeah, ten people telling me. I'm not yeah. going to end it on a bad joke like that, but I know that <laughs> we're at the end of time. As we are heading into 2023, what do you want our audience to know about the two of you? What you have coming up? Public events, new products, whatever. This is your chance to let everybody know something plug, that you want well, to the can, I, we need the we need our fe- our uh, your fellow canadians to understand that we had a distribution issue with yeah. our products and i think we're going to be able to fix that this year so we should be back able into to, canada baby yeah we're going to have more widespread distribution throughout canada stores it's really hard for us to ship from our warehouse here because we get hit with tons of fees once we cross the border um so we don't like to do direct shipping our goal is to expand to all these amazing barbecue stores all throughout canada um, and expand that distribution network up there so just hold tight stay tuned we're gonna make it happen i promise awesome yeah awesome because we love you we love you up here so we love canada we're so excited to be back (laughs) uh what else is coming up lots of new recipes we're posting new recipes every week on the website and in the hey grill hey app we Love our app. If you haven't checked it out, you should totally download it. I believe it is one of the easiest and most intuitive barbecue and grilling related apps that you can use, especially if you're looking for new recipes. Like I'll sit and scroll my own recipes at night while I'm trying to figure out what to cook um, for the family. Like it's it's really easy to use. There's a shopping list built in that's fantastic. Um, and the people love it. It's like 50,000 downloads between uh, Google and Apple right now. It is. You should definitely check out the Hey Grill Hey app. It's rad. We're going to be rolling out, like we said, the new kits this year. We're going to be posting some new pitmaster classes to the Grill Squad, which is our online barbecue school and community. So if you want to dive more into learning about barbecue from me and from some of my friends that are guest teaching, you should check out thegrillsquad.com. There's a really awesome community. We do fun giveaways every month, and we Todd and I pop in live to the Facebook group monthly. And anyway, it's, it's a like great place to little, hang out. It's like our own little Patreon, but it's our own website. 
Yeah, Which, and you get to nice. learn a bunch of really cool stuff. You also, when you join the Grill Squad, you get a welcome box with an apron in it. And when you pass off the classes, the Pitmaster classes, we'll ship you little patches so you can build out your own Grill nice. Squad apron. It's kind of cool. like old school, like Boy That's Scouts, cool. like badges. merit badges. <laughs> and yeah. it's so much fun. Our community has so much fun. So check out the Grill Squad if you've wanted to take like a barbecue class, but there's not one near you or you're kind of nervous to sign up. Uh, the first, just if you want to just take one class and see if you love it, it's 50 bucks, which is really like affordable for a barbecue class. So it's worth checking out. And we're going to be filming a lot of new classes for that this year. And a lot of different new videos, lots of new videos in the new studio. Um, so go ahead and follow on YouTube. Uh, you get to see a little bit more behind the scenes and some of our family and, and new recipes. And watch stuff watch like out that. for uh, Cabana Boy Todd. Yeah, I'm going to get him some real tiny shorts so everybody that's, that's can awesome. really appreciate Todd's legs. That's perfect. Cabana that's calf tad. Cabana calf tad. Cabana calf tad. Well, th thank you guys very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate this. It it's absolutely, I can't wait to see you guys again at the Royal Memphis I know. May. We'll do it up. It's going to be awesome. Um, We're trying to come up to Matt's store in the summer. We're going to try to make it up to your way well, in bring, June or bring July. Well, bring something warm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Something warm, just in case you yeah. never know. It might be yep. snowing anyway. It's yep. <laughs> we understand that. <laughs> well, make sure you give me a heads up. I'd love to be there for it. So, yeah, for sure. Deadly. Thanks for having nice. us, guys. This was fun. Right on, guys. I love those two. Susie Absolutely. and Todd, I've, they've been huge inspirations to me on the, the blog and the business side of what we do. Anytime I'm sort of in a rut and want to want to you know think about how to better uh, be a professional at the barbecue world, I always look to Todd and to Susie, and so it was awesome having them on and chat and learn about what they do. That's awesome, and I made sure not to bring up that you copy them every once in a while, and that's that's good. That's really good. I can tell you appreciate them a ton, which is uh, well. I mean, awesome. it's uh, I think that's what their magic sauce is. As you heard it them is. during the interview, is they do things so well and so trendy that it becomes full circle that people end up copying them that don't even know that they're copying them. So if that's I right. have inadvertently copied you. Todd That's and Susie, right. I apologize now and I send it. you all 57 cents in revenue that I earned <laughs> off of copying you. <laughs> I was going to throw Captain Ron under the bus there, but uh, I'll leave it. <laughs> We're hey, not going to do that. With your yeah. Trisket, with your Trisket, yeah. hey. That's yeah, a, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it, it, it's also good to hear the real life struggles. I mean, you know, yeah, this man. business is ever changing. I know you go through this, you and I talk about this offline. So I found it very inspirational to hear that it all hasn't been this ascent to the top in the barbecue world for them, that they have had struggles both uh, personally and professionally and what they did to work through that. So to me, again, I found more inspiration and more to like about those two. 100%. And I would like to throw out there to our listeners, right, to our viewers, if you guys like this kind of stuff, if you like like us picking at things and digging a little deeper, make sure you hit us up in the comments and let us know. Send us a message, whatever. We're, we're literally shooting this for you, and we appreciate you listening in and tuning in and subscribing, right? So let us know what we can do to make this better for you. We want to bring everything possible to the table in these episodes because we have such a blast doing it. We hope to be doing them forever. 
So yep, that's for appreciate sure. Appreciate all of you. Well, right I love on, you, man. brother. Love you too, brother man. Have a good day. Take it easy.